0: Coming up in this podcast, $3 billion federal infrastructure boost, Perth's urban sprawl, Burrup gas projects, global LNG production, Western hotel opens and mining projects. Welcome to Mark My Words, the weekly podcast from Business News with Mark Pownall and Mark Buyer discussing the important business news and data stories from Western Australia. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Uh, Mark, welcome back, first time in a couple of weeks that we've been in the same room together. Uh, Now first off, some big news uh, late this week, Malcolm Turnbull announced a $3 billion infrastructure spending in WA, uh, presumably uh, as he tries to head off the damaging GST debate here.
1: Yep, so there was a, a mass rollout of federal government people in Perth on Friday morning for what they saw as the big announcement. Uh, $3.2 billion of federal government money for WA infrastructure projects in this year's budget. Um, it's a lot of the things that we've been hearing about for quite a long time. Uh, Ellenbrook um, rail line, um, the extension of the Armadale rail line, um, extension of the Mitchell Freeway, um, about a billion dollars on Tonkin Highway, um, some money for hospital projects, Um, And another one, the Wellington Dam Project, Mm. which is an interesting sort of irrigation uh, infrastructure development. Well, there we go. So that's one that's been in the works for a long time that we've talked about before. So um, in a sense, no huge surprises here. Um, I found it interesting, the politics of this. It was sort of pitched as something really special for Western Australia. I guess my take on it is... Well, these are important projects. They've been evaluated for uh, some time um, and it's reasonable for us to expect funding for these projects, uh, particularly against the backdrop of WA's raw deal on GST. Uh, Now, bear in mind, still a fair bit of work to do on some of these projects. The the Ellenbrook Rail Line is sort of one of the the signature uh, promises of the (laughs) McGowan government.
0: A regular signature promise, isn't
1: it? Um, Indicative estimated cost 1,000 million dollars that sounds like a very broad ballpark number to me <laughs> right. so clearly a lot more work needs to be done around um, you know, filling out the detail on these projects so yeah. which they acknowledge um, but yeah look we, we expect these will happen um, so that federal money means that overall there'll be about five and a half billion of infrastructure projects that will go ahead
0: all right so the state still has to find two billion of its own money to do That's right. Right, okay. And And there's every
1: expectation that
0: will be there. Gotcha. And then I guess we've got the timing side. So, is this the best timing for it? Look, I don't think Western Australia can complain about getting some activity in that infrastructure spending. Um, We're going to have to now compete with the East Coast where there's massive amounts of that going on. So, you know, skills will be hard to get back here for those that have been lost in this process during the mining downturn. Uh, Anyway. Good to see it, even if it's somewhat belated and somewhat a little bit, feels a little bit desperate. But anyway, it's good money to have, right? Yep. Now, Mark, uh, well, I guess, sort of sort of connected, I suppose. Uh, new data shows that Perth is still spreading and growth is at the fringe.
1: Yeah, look, the Bureau of Statistics did some new analysis during the week where they broke down the drivers of population growth around Australia. And then they broke it down by city and then within cities. So it was a, a new level of analysis. And what I found really interesting is that if you look at the growth across Western Australia, it's um, almost exclusively in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Regional Western Australia, places like Geraldton and Kalgoorlie actually went backwards. Places like Busselton achieved a small amount of growth. Um, but the growth that we have had has been almost entirely in Perth. But even there, at a quite a modest level, we've had about 1% population growth. So Perth's population, 2,043,000 people. Mm. But within that, 70% of that is on the urban fringe. Now, against a backdrop where governments have been saying for years, if not decades, we need to encourage more infill, we need to get higher density in established suburbs, some of that is happening, but these numbers tell us um, that governments are consistently falling short of their own targets. Yeah. Um, so the places that are growing the fastest, and as you say, this does tie into the infrastructure announcements. Ellenbrook has achieved the biggest growth. Um, an extra to almost 2,500 people there in the past year. Um, the area growing the fastest is Alkimos, So for those who yep. drive north up the coast, Northern beaches. well past Joondalup. Yeah. Um, that's the area. But, you know, it's down in that, that southeast area below Armadale, mm-hmm. up in the north, out at uh, um, Ellenbrook. Um, Perth City had some growth. Um, one of the few established suburbs that had appreciable growth. Um, all those apartment developments, you know, are attracting some more people. Um, but this is, I guess, the reality of Perth.
0: Yeah, um, and it's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, we, we've had various discussions with uh, those councils, you know, Armadale, Serpentine, Jaredale, um, Canning, out that way. Uh, they have they recognise they've got the population growth, but they need industry now. Desperate to get industry in there, because you've got to have jobs. You can't just have people going and living there uh, without at least, consume, you know, some of the pop, local population being con- being employed locally. And I guess this is where the infrastructure comes in again. You know, we need that, and I know it's not necessarily mentioned in, that, in all those projects, but you know, you need that Coburn port, we need, the, we need that, that to be connected right across to that southeast corridor properly, you know, so that we don't have this scenario where industry's clogged up at Fremantle, going down Leach Highway. And, you know, that, so I think there's a huge opportunity there um, so we shouldn't necessarily be negative about sprawl, it's just got to be planned and managed really well.
1: And some of the infrastructure funding will have a significant, um, if you like, industry bearing, particularly in the eastern suburbs. So as I mentioned, a lot of funding for Tonkin Highway yep. um, but also some upgrades around the Kewdale Row Highway area mm-hmm. and then also plans to extend the um, a big bypass around Bindoon. So right. obviously that's a a place, place where a lot of people live, a lot of horticulture up there. Yeah. But a lot of big trucks going north. Heading north. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So there is some, uh, some. it's not just for uh, sort of urban commuters. Um, you know, there is some money there for business gotcha. industry.
0: Okay. Uh, now, Mark, uh, speaking of the north, lots of activity or possible activity on the Burrup Peninsula.
1: Yeah. So there's been for 20 odd years, a lot of talk about gas processing projects in that area, uh, petrochemical plants, uh, methanol, uh, urea, um, other sorts of processing projects. Uh, in fact, around uh, 2003, 2004, there was a well, that was the main focus. Yeah. You know, before the iron ore projects took off, before the, the big LNG projects like Gorgon took off. Uh, this was seen as the big
0: opportunity for Western Australia. I remember we did a cover story on it back then.
1: That's right. And in fact, I've enjoyed sort of going back and having a look at some of the names. So companies like Centrolium, Methanex, Agrium, GTL Resources. <laughs> uh, these were the companies that were going to drive big investment. And interesting too, these were the days when a project worth $1 billion was seen as a very big project yep, yep. Uh, before the numbers got crazy during the, uh, the boom years. Yep. Yep. So anyway, there were a couple of projects that did go ahead, uh, Barrup Fertilisers, now run by the Norwegian group Yarra. They built a uh, liquid ammonia plant and then subsequently built an ammonium nitrate plant uh, next door to it. One of the early partners in the Barrup Fertilisers business was a guy named Vikas Rambal. Now, he famously had a big falling out um, with his business partner, uh, Pankaj Oswal. Um, Vickers then went off and set up another company called Perdaman. And he's been working pretty much ever since to build a, pro- a urea project. Now, his big focus for a long time was Collie. Yep. He had a plan there to convert coal um, into uh, into liquids. Um, this is a $4 billion project. Now, the Collie deal fell over with Griffin Coal, which was his coal supplier. Now he's been talking to Woodside, and he's signed a, an agreement for Woodside to supply gas for this project. So a significant step forward. And then by coincidence, there's another project that three businesses, Kuji Chemicals, uh, West Farmers, and Mitsubishi are working on. Uh, they're looking at a methanol project, also on the Barrow Peninsula. So this would be you know, a, a new phase of resource development in WA. Um, a bit more downstream processing, um, dependent on getting assured supplies of gas at an appropriate price. Yep. Uh, so there's a new dimension to it now. The Barrup is also home to a very large collection of um, Aboriginal rock art. Mm-hmm. And there's a process underway, or at least a push, for World Heritage listing of that rock art. Yep. So I think we're heading for a very uh, heated debate um, there'll be the issue around commerciality of these projects, but then also a question of whether they can coexist.
0: Yeah, right. And is that the is the coexisting? Is it about the land? Because I think famously, when um, the North West Shelf was put in there, they moved quite a lot of the rock art, didn't they? So there's a, there's moving the rock art, and then there's just emissions from these plants, and what effect that could have on the rock art. Correct.
1: It's the emissions. Right. Yes. So there's an allocated allocated parcels of land. Yep but they're actually very close to the rock art. Yeah, gotcha. So that's the concern that some of the conservationists have.
0: It's, uh, yeah, look, a big challenge. And, you know, we've written many times about that clash between, I guess, industry and, well, normally it's about residential living, but this is a, a different a different issue. Uh, that Can those things live side by side? And presumably these plants' emissions would be much more uh, environmentally friendly than anything that would have gone say 20 years ago um, have you been to the rock art there in the borough?
1: I have been up there yeah. it's, um, it's quite impressive. Yeah. Um, the, one of the points people have made is that it's a, it's a, it's a very harsh environment, mm. very hot up there, not a major tourist uh, destination so not many people actually see this No. so this is you yeah. know, one of those things that you have to weigh up um, you know there's the, the commercial opportunities and the employment that goes with it um, and then another complication is that and the environmental protection Authority has raised this point there's this sort of cumulative impact so you know one or two developments might be okay yep. three or four that might be okay five or six so the more of them that happen yeah the uh, individual the, the greater yeah. the concern.
0: yeah yeah gotcha well look I've uh, definitely seen that rock art several times or at least you know one particular part of it. Uh, it's amazing, and uh, it is one of those great things to take some tourists. And you're going through Caratha as you do sometimes on those big long drives. Hey, look, I'm going to show you something. I mean, it's unbelievable when you go into an area like that. It's industrial, it's bleak, and then there's something remarkable. So, look, it'd be great if they can uh, work out how to get the two to coexist. Um, now, again, speaking of LNG. Um, Australia was long touted as a likely as likely to overtake Qatar as the world's uh, biggest LNG producer. Um, but it seems that's not necessarily going to happen according to some new data.
1: It's a group called EnergyQuest. They're a consulting group that uh, is one of the experts in this field. Uh, they put out regular updates on the global LNG market and production. And for the first time that I've ever seen they've actually questioned this expectation that we will become number one. Mm. You know, this has become accepted wisdom. Every time there's a, you know, a conference or a, a government minister talks about LNG exports, it's always Australia's going to become number one. Um, now, there's a number of variables here. There's new projects like uh, Shell's Prelude project, uh, the ICTIS project, um, Wheatstone, which is ramping up at the moment. So it's a question of how rapidly they ramp up production. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side, the Northwest Shelf Project, there's an expectation there that their volumes will actually taper off because a lot of their existing gas fields are uh, approaching their uh, maturity. Yes. They're working to get new gas supplies into there. But EnergyQuest's view is that there'll be a tapering off of production volumes there. And their view, the conclusion is that Australia won't actually reach the same production volumes as Qatar. Gotcha.
0: And look, obviously it's not just WA, it's Queensland as well. So presumably Queensland hasn't quite lived up to expectations either. Well, ironically, they're pointing out that
1: the East Coast uh, LNG projects, uh, which rely on coal seam gas supplies and all these sort of environmental and community concerns that revolve around that, they've actually had trouble getting enough gas out of those fields mm. to supply their LNG plants. So they're talking about importing LNG. Really? So this bizarre scenario where Australia, seen as the world's number one LNG exporter, might in fact need to import some import LNG. or bring
0: it around from WA?
1: Well, in fact, or from global markets, Right. but to meet their... Um, Supply commitments that they've already made.
0: Right, there you go. They can't churn out enough
1: LNG Mm. Ah, to meet the needs of their customers. Mm. So they're going to have to go and buy LNG from somewhere else. Gee, that's an expensive mistake, isn't it? Adds to the big issues on the East Coast gas market. And as we've mentioned before, Mm. makes Western Australia look
0: uh, very organised. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And look, Mark, I do have to ask this question who cares whether we're the biggest or not? Honestly, who cares? fair enough. But um,
1: politicians love to get up there and beat their chest in Australia. <laughs> Say Australia is number
0: one. Here comes gotcha. <laughs> you. All right. Um, now, Mark, the Western Hotel opened this week. Um, obviously, another hotel adding to the uh, to the rooms that we've got. Um, do you think, first of all, you know, this question without notice would be a bit of a catalyst to more activity in that eastern end of the city?
1: Well, look, I reckon a lot of our listeners
0: might be saying, uh, where exactly is the Western Hotel?
1: Mm. And as they've sort of driven down Riverside Drive, they might have seen a big tower down the eastern end of the CBD. They might have said, "Ah, what's that building? So it's a development by BGC. They developed on that site with help from a city of Perth incentive scheme, which, of course, stems from the days when you couldn't find a spare hotel room in (laughs) Perth. Not a problem now. And, of course, we've got all this new supply coming through. But, look, yeah, it's down at that eastern end of the CBD. Um, Been a lot of work about trying to revitalise that part of the city. Um, Historic Heart is a project um, that we've talked about previously, about trying to enliven the streets there, bring some street art in, um, get some life back in some of those fairly decrepit old buildings around there. Mm. Um, But, yeah, look, having a a five-star hotel... 28-storey, five-star hotel down at that eastern end of the CBD, I think is a major shift. Yep. And then around it, there's a, a whole bunch of um, hospitality developments um, that'll be opening up you know, this weekend. Yep. Also some commercial space in the building. And Uber, in fact, will have their Western Australian headquarters okay. in the building. There you go. But equally telling, when this project was first proposed it's called Hibernian place it had a, a budget of about five hundred million dollars and that was on the premise that there would be two towers the second one would be an office and commercial development now that's actually on hold mm. so that sort of said something about um, there's only so much appetite for office space particularly at that end of the CBD yes correct but the, nonetheless um, this will be uh, Marriott International, they'll be the operator of the hotel. And of course, another Marriott brand is the Ritz, Yeah, right. So, which is okay, being developed down at Elizabeth Quay. Yep. So that's sort of a, a big player coming into the Perth market yeah. with two very two significant big, yeah. hotel properties.
0: Gotcha. And look, that Western, I mean, it's fair to say this, isn't it? The Western Hotel is at the western end of the eastern end of Perth, if that makes any sense, right? So it's in amongst the courts. It's next to the uh, Royal Perth Hospital, and, you know, I guess it's quite closely uh, located to some of our traditional hotel, you know, where Sheraton, now Pan Pacific, and the Langley Notel, right right there, right? That's right. Yeah, so it's kind of like, that's where a lot of hotels have been around that area traditionally in in Perth. Anyway, interesting to see how it goes. Just, as I say,
1: for the readers that aren't familiar, or listeners that aren't familiar,
0: Located between Murray Street and Hay Street.
1: Yes. So away from St George's Terrace or Adelaide Terrace, which is where the rest of them are located.
0: Yep, Not totally a bit different. Right, now, uh, Mark, Matt McKenzie has looked at mining projects um, and where there's a fair bit of good news after the downturn.
1: Yeah, so this is our special report. It'll be up on the website on Monday and in our next edition of the magazine. So, look, some impressive numbers. Uh, there's about $4 billion worth of mining projects underway at the moment, and another $9 billion that we consider likely to go ahead. And then on top of that, there's a tale of other potential projects. Um, some of the big drivers, you know, lithium, which we've uh, we've talked about, you know, that's sort of, that's the boom industry at the moment. Uh, so companies like Tianchi, they're investing a lot of money down at Kwanana mm-hmm. on a refinery. Um, also doing a big expansion of their mining uh, operation at Greenbushes. Uh, We've got other mines being developed up in the Pilbara. Um, So, you know, lithium is very significant. Uh, Gold projects. um, So the biggest one there is the Gruyere gold project worth nearly $600 million. Um, And, you know, there's several other smaller gold projects underway. some of the big winners out of this, some of the engineering firms and the contracting firms, you know they're picking up a lot of work out of this. Um, Matt had a good talk to Peter McSweeney from MSP Engineering. Um, he's actually doing the work for both the green bushes and Quinana projects. So his business is going gangbusters at the moment, mm. uh, benefiting from you know, a long-term focus on that area, which for a long time was considered very obscure, but now, now mainstream, and, uh, and, and winning nicely. In terms of the uh, pipeline of future projects, there's some big iron ore developments. Um, The big three, BHP, Rio, Fortescue, are all at at an advanced stage of planning major new mine developments, uh, which is there simply to sustain their current volumes. They're digging up so much of the ore, they need to keep on building new mines just to maintain their exports. And then the other one um, is mineral sands. Um, Matt's added up about a billion dollars worth of mineral sands projects, either underway or at an advanced stage of planning. Um, ILUCA Resources is the big player there. They've got a project up at Cataby. So this is project um, products like zircon, um, rutile, ilmenite, um, you know, ingredients that go into other products. Um, hardly household names, um, but you know, a billion dollars' worth of spending on mineral sands projects not to be sneezed at. Yeah. So collectively, when you put those together, I think it adds to this picture of um, you know a really solid and, I think, sustainable tick-up in investment in, in the resources sector.
0: And it's going back... I mean, you've got some new stuff, you know, lithium, etc. and then you've got this idea we've we've got this capacity now to ship out greater volumes. You've got to find the stuff... More, more more, often to meet that, to, to, to use that capacity. And I, and I think I saw FMG saying they'd ship their billionth tonne. And I'm thinking, you know, in 10 years, and they certainly weren't mining to any great degree 10 years ago. So that's remarkable. And I, and I will go and try and do the research to find out how long it took Western Australia to ship a billion tonnes of iron ore from when it started in the 1960s. It would have taken, you know, the whole state, Several decades to get to that number, so it's quite remarkable that one company's done it in probably eight years or so. Uh, incredible, incredible, and you know that that and they're not even the biggest producer up there, <laughs> so it is remarkable.
1: And hence, this leads to all these opportunities about the operations and maintenance work that's yep. needed just to sustain these volumes in the iron ore industry, in the gas industry, in lithium, in gold. Yeah. So that's a. Yeah, that, that's what we want to want to see. We want to see sustained, consistent activity. Yep. We don't want to see another crazy boom. We just want to see it keep on going.
0: No, no crazy booms, not unless we can all get absolutely ready for it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. Um, the Rising Stars Awards recognises and celebrates WA-based companies that are growing, private and public, old and new, large and small. With entries now open, we're on the lookout for companies that have experienced recent growth but still have future potential. Previous winners have come from diverse industries including engineering, technology, financial services, advertising, manufacturing, medical and aged care. Is that your business? Or do you have a client or a supplier that uh, that ought to get the recognition they deserve? If so, please go to www.rising-stars.com.au to nominate. Entries close soon and must be completed by mid-May.
1: Thanks for listening to Mark My Words with Mark Pownall and Mar Baier from Business News. For more information, please go to businessnews.com.au forward slash podcasts. And to receive these regularly, search for Business News WA in iTunes or SoundCloud.